another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm, I'm glad Caprice. to be here. Yeah. Pretend like it's something new and exciting in my life. This podcast? Yeah, that's, that's I'm, I'm acting. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Am I being believable? No. Okay. You so, are uh, unbelievable if that's yeah. if that helps. Oh, there you go. Uh, I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. You are hearing the voices of Catherine Rubino and Chris Williams, who are joining me as always to talk about some of the big legal stories of the week. But obviously, before that, as we always do, we have a little bit of small talk. So, are we going to have small talk? I was going to wait till after your sound effect because I. Yeah. Just for the for the viewers listening, opposed to the viewers watching, because you can't. I wish you could just see the the disdain and frustration yeah. on me at face right now, and the glee on Joe's. Yeah, because <laughs> I feel like shooting fraud, or however you say, it, is a is a profession that's just is a is a thing throughout the profession. And I feel like mm-hmm. that would be a nice time, just be like, oh yeah, that's really cringe because it is, you know. You know. <laughs> But at this point, it's a thing. So we're going to stick with it. So small talk. Much to my chagrin. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what's, what's new? Well, I have the soundtrack of the early aughts going through my head oh. uh, after yesterday's musical interlude in the middle of a football game. Ah, okay. Who, yeah, uh, yeah. What, what played? I'm not aware of the sports ball or how to dribble a hockey puck, so I'm unaware completely. It was it was the Super Bowl um, okay. this weekend uh, and was played between the L.A. Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Rams, unfortunately, won. I was rooting for the Bengals <laughs> because my elementary school principal's son is a coach for the Bengals. So I was oh, rooting. Okay. I was rooting for for the Bengals, but whatever. They lost. It was a good game. It was still a good game. But uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, 50 Cents, Mary J. Did you say 30 and, Cents? No. 50. 50. Although <laughs> he, he looked like a buck 75, probably. Ooh, ooh. Um, he, he, he definitely. He, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, did I say Eminem? Because Eminem was also there. Okay. Uh, it was super fun, though. It, was, it very much, though, reminded me of the early 2000s. Wait, there, there's but, not a song there. Is there a song they're all collabing on? Like where these people just like in the back vibing? How this? How oh, it's a medley. It's it a medley, a medley. Okay. right? So, so that's okay. yeah. I think it's kind of a, a typical strategy where like Dre was like the headliner or whatever. So he he and Snoop started it, and then they mm-hmm. kind of like cut away, and then it was you know no more drama, and then it was lose yourself and whatever, whatever. Okay. It, was, it was super fun. I can't ever hear. I can't take the song here. Lose yourself uh, seriously ever again because I just hear Dave Chappelle saying spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Although it's kind of a perfect sports ball song, right? Like you only get one shot. You're the Super oh, yeah. Bowl people. Get it together. Get it together, man. You, you you look disapproving, Chris. It was. I thought it was like the right song for the right moment. I mean, it's, it's isn't it like Super Bowl sixty five? There are multiple shots. I mean. A lot of people don't get to go back. It's not like it's like, oh, I'll do it next okay. year, right? Okay. Like it's it's it, there's there's a lot to get you to get you to the big game. Tom Brady's career, notwithstanding, most people don't get to go that often. <laughs> right. I, I think that's more fair. I mean, I never get invited, so that's why I don't watch. I mean, Donald is one of the best defensive players and only yeah. made it. He's probably retiring after now getting his ring, and it was kind of a big deal that he got his ring, right? Like that was like. So- like a moment. Shouts out to Donald. Yeah. What did you do this weekend, Joe? I mean, I also watched the Super Bowl and I watched commercials during the Super Bowl. There were some there were some good legal law firm commercials. Oh nice. Yeah. That's a so thing now? For the Super Bowl? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I remember oh, Lawhawk did one a couple years ago. Well, Lawhawk didn't do one for himself. He did uh, he, Taco Bell Taco, I was, hired oh, him Dorito? to do it. it was yeah. Taco Bell? Yeah, so it was Taco Bell. Yeah. Um, Lawhawk. Like, How about you, Chris? You did not watch the sports ball, so what did you do? Can we stop I... unironically saying sports ball? <laughs> All right. No. Um, I... Football. He didn't watch no football this weekend. <laughs> right. There we go. <laughs> I, did also, I did something that was traditionally um, – Masculine. I don't know if it still counts to be described in that way. I committed a lot of fucking murder on a game. God of War 4. This is not legal advice. Okay. Admission. Do not use this against me in law. I'm not a lawyer. Except when I am talking like one. But yo, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a bald man with an axe and a child that I constantly refer to as boy. And I hacked the shit out of so many undead. It was good. There was a glee yeah. on my face. It was, the hits are so chunky. It, it's, it's really good. If you, <laughs> haven't played, if you haven't played God of War 4, do it. You, you might be like, oh, I have to make my billables. I have a child. Do that later. Play this yeah. game. <laughs> I actually finished up. I had been on a kind of epic run of going through Skyrim again. I just finally mm-hmm. finished that. So, yeah. Well, I'm thinking Fusor I like Mario Kart. <laughs> okay, it's a legal talk. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think. Yeah, I think we're. I think okay, we're done. Okay, you're waiting till I talk so you can interrupt me. With the... <laughs> it's not funny, Chris. Stop giving him that glee. You're right. It's, really it's hilarious. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> Two out of three podcasters love it. I hate you both. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of people who are worthy of hate, the Supreme Court, uh, <laughs> the, the Supreme Court made a decision last week. You might not have noticed it since it was on our, our friend, the shadow docket, which I need a sound effect for shadow docket, I think. Bum, bum, I, bum. Yeah, like, yeah, something like that. Is there like um, a, something maybe from the movie, The Shadow, right, that you could use? Maybe, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll investigate that. Anyway, the shadow docket I was, think I can't believe I'm helping you build out the soundboard, by the way, like, where my life has fallen so far. I know, <laughs> but it's been interesting to watch from, from my perspective, though. Again, two out of Slow three. descent, yeah. <laughs> two out of three. So the Supreme Court issued a shadow docket opinion. They decided to, you know, take away voting rights, which was fun. Yeah. Again. uh, This was an update, a different case then. uh, But one of the interesting things is that John Roberts did not join the decision here, which is fascinating since he's the one who began, got the ball rolling on getting rid of voting rights. Shelby, Shelby County, County begat. Yeah, but he, uh, he did not join this one. The real crux of this issue was that there was a challenge to the redistricting in Alabama that was going to district Alabama in a weird way to make sure that even though black folks represent about 27% or something like that of Alabama, that they would end up with uh, only 14% of the legislators uh, by cracking and packing the districts to make sure that they only got one Reasonable vote. Uh, this is a violation of the Voting Rights Act. One would assume, but the Supreme one would Court certainly think <laughs> the Supreme Court decided five four. Well, it's not so much that they decided five four that it wasn't a violation of the Voting Rights Act. They decided five four that they didn't, care. they didn't care and were just going to let it continue. The logic being, we don't have time to resolve this before the election, so we're just going to let it ride. This let is. It ride. This is not how any of this is supposed to work, uh, which was the crux of 
That's, Elena that's Kagan, not how any of this works. Elena Kagan and the liberals wrote a, a dissent that really got to the meat of why this is wrong. But Roberts wrote separately from his perspective of not necessarily thinking it's wrong to take away voting rights because he has no problem with that. <laughs> but he wrote separately about how this was beyond even the pale of what he thinks is acceptable to not to if only he hadn't written Shelby County the way he did basically he he his complaint is that what the way they structured this is that that you basically you get a freebie election if you if you if you violate the Voting Rights Act you get one freebie before anybody is allowed to tell you you're wrong is what the majority said and Roberts Roberts drew the line there uh, <laughs> he, he does not think you get so, to have a freebie there is a line yeah mm-hmm. Things that we now know, it's terrible. Yeah. It, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, my, my takeaway on it was that it was almost as though the way in which Robert's decision reads, it was almost like he felt a better way to run our voting laws would be if there was some sort of, I don't know, preclearance requirement oh. where like maybe you don't get to make a change until it run, you know, it's all sorted out legally before, uh, before you can enact it, you know. He really seemed passionate about the idea that maybe we should have something like that, which, you know, we did until he destroyed it. Yeah. Some of that energy might have been useful in the past. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the Supreme Court is continuing apace, especially with its uh, shadow docket opinions. This is this all kind of, I think, puts into stark relief that whomever Joe Biden nominates to be on the Supreme Court just better get used to writing dissents. That is pretty much the job is writing, look at these assholes over here. Yeah, uh, for now. And, yeah. 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 And for, yeah, for, it, for some time. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this, this is the job for the foreseeable future. Yeah. The, the good news is if our rights will be slowly overturned by um, a right-leaning court, at least the shadow docket is a cool thing for it to happen on. Like if it were just yeah. like paper 37 that upended the right to vote. That, that would suck. You know, a shadow docket, that could be a band, a band name or like a villain. You know, it's, it's better to cover. That yeah, is I mean, definitely a band's name. Like that, if it's not, it should be. Yeah. Uh, now playing. Here I go again on my own shadow docket. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. So, oh, yeah, we, we should we should come up with good band names from legal terms someday shadow yeah. docket can be on there. I think rest, that's... rest ipso rocky tour <laughs> nice wow uh so I'll be here anyway yeah see supra yeah okay <laughs> blue booking jokes <laughs> it bid. it bid. they just follow everyone <laughs> you know that's good don't even <laughs> them again right it's I like so convenient it. I like it. so you do not have to seem annoyed right now i don't seem Joe annoyed Patrice. I, I I am not you annoyed at all. You are actually annoyed, so you don't see it. I don't. I'm so. No, confused. I'm just I'm just trying to. I I, I was distracting things, be, uh, distracted by something. Because, were you trying you know, to? You, were you getting a call? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like yeah. so, uh, it would be a lot easier if I had you know a service that to take that could the messages take for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and deal with yeah. onboarding and so on. All so, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So let's hear from our good friends at Posh. As a lawyer, ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call when you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting. That's where Posh comes in. We're live virtual receptionists who answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. 
and the Posh app lets you control when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Start your free trial today at posh.com. Okay, we're back. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good one. That yeah. was a good transition. I'm, yeah. Good transition. It was very, it was very posh, super, super smooth. Yeah, super posh. You know who doesn't have good transitions? John particular, Cena. Uh, I was going with a particular uh, Georgetown professor. Uh, yeah, not great transitions. So w- w- what's going on now with Georgetown? Oh, it's the same. They're still slurring it up. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, it, it might be a new year, but same, same things. I mean, they already paid tuition and locked in. Uh, the students can't change up. That'd be a breach of contract. But yeah, so it was a international law and business class. The exact class, it, I could be wrong on that. But there's a professor named Professor uh, Wero or, or Vero, maybe. He may be German. He was, was not cold calling. I think he was responding to a hand in the class. And uh, an Asian student had their hand up. And he decided to let the student he was calling on know he was calling on them, but the way he did it was kind of racist. Um, and, and to antiquated slur. Uh, antiquated slur, yes, yes. yes. Uh, um, not not, not, not the preferred nomenclature, that, dude. Yes, the, yeah. the, the, the Big Lebowski reference, clearly. Yes. There's a uh, reason yeah. that the Big Lebowski is required uh, legal viewing <laughs> at Washington <laughs> University in St. Louis. It's not, but it should be. Uh, yeah. It should be. Those are some nice shoes. You know, the the the, the see-through, like, uh, number that he the had? jelly the things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They go hard, unironically. So this professor, uh, so obviously slurs bad, don't do them. Uh, but <laughs> the, the a wrinkle with this person is it It seems fairly clear that this person's uh, English is not their first language. Uh, so it, 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 while not good, it does at least from the clip, seem as though he's not acting with animus. Uh, sure, and I think he actually issued an apology and and made that that point that, you know, English is not his first language, et cetera. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. I think what we need to do is not refer to people as by describing them, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, but yeah. it would it'd also be terrible if he was like, pretty lady over there. Right. Or, hey, fatty. Like, mm-hmm. all of these are wildly inappropriate ways to describe folks. You know, yeah. can mm-hmm. we just not use people's physical characteristics to call on them in class? Yeah. Third row. Point. Also, that's mm-hmm. less rude. Yeah. Over there rude, in the corner. <laughs> How does that's he not it. have a seating chart at this point? Right. I, and and there is something to be said also that even even with English not being the first language, you know, he he's yeah. a professor who's been at this a while. Like one would think yeah. he's picked up a few tips and tricks over the years. One of yeah. which being don't use this nomenclature. Yeah. And my my thing is like I don't think anybody's like uh, it's the good news about this is it wasn't one of those cases where he doubled down. It was like oh I did this in the name of academic freedom or right. Oh mm-hmm. I did this to challenge the notion that. You know, if you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be in an uncomfortable situation. So I actually deliberately right. made my student uncomfortable to help their legal career. It'd be irresponsible if I didn't. That shit didn't happen. And when yes. it does happen, shame on you. But the 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 potentially being a second language thing. And, and I, one of the things that somebody said was uh, this guy's been teaching um, in the States for 20 years. Um, I don't know the ex- I don't know the exact uh, details of it. It might be one of those things where he like lives in Germany and France and is like on the staff for like 20 years he may actually been in there in person for 20 years i don't Mm -hmm. know 
But another thing that was that was interesting angle for me hearing about seeing the clip, because this is short clips, like 17 seconds. I'm sure you can mm-hmm. easily find it. There's a clip in the article that I wrote mm-hmm. about it. Is one of the things about the, the foreign aspect beyond besides just um being a multi-language speaker, people from different nations think about race differently. Like I remember I was having a conversation with a guy who was from Sweden. I was I think I was flying either to South Africa or or back from South Africa anyway. And he was saying that he was he was um he built he did infrastructure and he was saying yeah in in America people are really sensitive about race like he he's like he's like the context is just different when I'm working on boats with people from India and people from uh, China what have you and listening to him I'm like yeah I'm uncomfortable but I was also aware of my Americanness in that in that context and I'm and I'm curious if if that is a norm in other places i'm not saying that's what happened here it's just an interesting mm-hmm. inter- it's just an interesting scenario to me so i'm like thinking in the contemporary moment like i wonder if this is uh would it, would this be of the norm in the german classroom or a french classroom mm. i don't have answers but i'm curious yeah so george just think don't again. refer to people by their physical characteristics Seems yeah, that seems like a, a good. I mean, yeah, like, no, no, don't no, do it. Like, like I'm but, not defending him. I'm just wondering because because no, I watched the video and it was so weird. My response was, why did he think this was okay? Like, what, sure. what about what about this when it left his mouth? He was like, oh, this is a normal way to refer to someone. Mm-hmm. And since it, since I didn't get like a, a not that I'm the arbiter, but it didn't feel malicious. So I'm just curious, like, what yeah. possessed you to think this is okay? It's like when. It's like when a kid says, not to call his professor a kid, he's teaching at Georgetown, a very nice CV and everything. But like when a kid uses the wor- word incorrectly, like like a curse word, you're like, you know, like, you're like, where'd you hear that from? Why did you think that was OK? You can't refer to your classmates as a fuck nugget. Like <laughs> you can't yeah. do these things, you know. But I also think that, like, I think it's kind of a bigger thing because even things that you may think are complimentary are not, you just shouldn't use them, right? Especially in this like pseudo, in an academic sort of pseudo-professional kind of setting. Like I said, Mm. like, don't be like, hey, lady with a pretty smile. Yeah. Don't, like that's, those sound like compliments, but also Mm. makes you feel real tiny in the middle of a class, right? Like that's not also not okay. It should be patently obvious. It should be patently obvious. Like, and the the thing that stuck out about me was how abnormal this felt. Mm Because like usually when a slur is used in, Illegal settings in the classroom, to my knowledge, it's usually like a double down. Oh, yeah. Asian people shouldn't be in the country. Here are some t- t- statistics backing me up, like Amy Wax or what have you. Yeah. Or like a, 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 the Illusion Reading Shapiro quotes thing. in fighting, fighting word cases is a real popular right. way to sneak in the N word. Right. Like there's a, there's a, there's a format. And like in a way that like mm-hmm. people get angry, you, you, you curse, you say, oh my God, a couple of times. You threaten somebody, some, your friend holds you back. There's a whole, there's a whole way <laughs> you go dance. about doing it. There's, there's a whole yeah. dance. And this felt like it was double left footed. <laughs> yeah. You know? I hear that. Okay, we should probably transition. So To the biggest of law? To the biggest of law. So Kirkland is uh, going back to the office. Mm-hmm. That is that, that was the message they sent out, that they were returning to a Tuesday through Thursday office schedule that went over somewhat like a lead balloon to the extent that they did not announce raises at the time, which, you know, is what everybody else is wondering about. Uh, it also... It also stirred up an interesting side story. Apparently, Kirkland's historically been a you-don't-have-to-come-into-the-office-if-you-don't-need-to sort of a firm, uh, at least in certain practice areas. And those folks seemed very upset at the idea that they do now have to go into the office for a set number of days. Uh, I personally don't think that's how this is going to play out. I think think if you weren't 
didn't feel like you had to come to the office a certain number of days pre-pandemic, you're going to be fine post-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I think that yeah. the majority of folks probably felt that they had to be there at least five days a week, maybe on a Saturday too. So I think that this is going is a reduction from 2019's kind of officely hours. And the other thing we're seeing is that this is much, this is now bigger than Kirkland. We're seeing a ton of firms now make these kind of three days a week, kind of the Omicron boogeyman is over-ish. So let's get back to the office. Let's do it as soon as possible before the next wave comes and hits us and we have to right. send you back home again. We're paying We're paying for these offices. Get, please use them, people. And we're all, we're seeing those, and to the chagrin of all sorts of associates, we're hearing from without announcements of of salary increases. There's also an angle uh, with the staff who uh, have reached out saying that they're they're kind of upset because I I did think as we just kind of highlighted, I don't think that that memo was really aimed at associates. I think if they didn't have to go into the office before, they don't won't have to now. But it is saying that the staff needs to be there Tuesday through Thursday and. A follow-up memo was sent that suggested that the staff also needs to be able to come any day that the associates they work with are in the office, which, I mean, I feel I feel like that's going to be the hurdle with the working remotely that no one's really worked out yet. Uh, how do you do this with staff without putting them in bad positions? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of depends on the nature of the staff role, which I think we have seen a lot of evolution of of law firm staff. You know, in the early days of the pandemic, when we did see layoffs a lot or furloughs, a lot of them were staff members, folks that, you know, mailroom or, you know, folks that were much more or, you know, uh, cafeteria workers, that kind of thing, folks that were kind of tied to the physical location of a particular firm. And I think that, that those things are are evolving. I think that the question of, you know, assistance was very, very important in the 70s, right? When no one had a computer on their desk and now is a lot less important and one person may support five or six attorneys without much of a problem. Where before, you know, if a partner had to share their assistant with one person, it was, you know, a tragedy. Right. Uh, and and it, we're seeing an evolution and I don't know where we're necessarily going to shake out. And I think it depends. What What is that assistant doing? Are they... Are they printing stuff out? Are they helping to collate exhibits? Then yeah, they then their role is very tied to that physical location. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that we have moved towards uh, staff members covering a lot of people is what's going to make this a weird wrinkle. You only have to be in the office three days. Oh, but Jimmy's in on Monday, so you need to come in. And Tracy's in on Friday, so you need to come in that day. Like, if I, Well, I think it'll probably evolve to where it's like, pods of assistants are supporting pods of attorneys, right? So you have three assistants that are covering 15 attorneys and between the three, one of them is there every day. So, you know, it kind of comes out okay on the back end. Yeah, it's going to be interesting though, because- And different firms will come up with different solutions. Yeah. Which will be interesting to watch. Well, what gets me also is that, like you said about being tied to the location, I feel as though what we have proven throughout the pandemic is that a lot of these admin jobs do not actually need to be physical. They can be done mm-hmm. remotely. Hopefully the fact that attorneys are back in the office does not lead to the kind of classist assumption that that means that the fact that other folks could do their job remotely uh, is off the table, uh, that you know we can recognize that they can do the job remotely even if we're in the office. 
I'm not sure how much that's going to, I don't think that there'll be a situation where only attorneys are really required to be in the office. I think that, I think that those things will go hand in hand because there are those kind of benefits to everyone. You know, firm leaders are saying that they find that there's a benefit to everyone being in the office. It's a culture, it's educational, trying to figure out like what the next generation of, of lawyers educating them, you know, training first, second year associates, et cetera. Uh, and, and I think that part of what I learned so much from my assistant when I was a young attorney, right? Like, Oh, this is how you do it. These are where, these are the, the blue covers for your filing, you know, et cetera, that I think that they're going to want that kind of cohesiveness. Yeah, that is, uh, that is an overlooked aspect, the level to which the admins are part of the training Mm -hmm. for young lawyers too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if I didn't know where something was my first or second year, my first question was to an admin. Right. right <laughs> it was right. not it was not to a third year who was going to yell at me, even if they did not know the answer. I suppose that's true. Third years yell? Like, they feel third that years? confident? Oh, my God. They're the worst. Third years. Okay, I'm going to say it here. Third years are the worst <laughs> in the entire hierarchy of big law because they are not the bottom anymore, right? So they have just enough, just enough power, just enough to feel like they know what's going on. So they have somebody, you know, it's like shit rolls downhill. Everything rolls down to a first year. And finally, they're not the bottom. So they, they not everyone, not every, not every third year, but the third years that are awful are Awful. That is fair. That is that is good to know. Also, uh, shouts out to Abram Hester. He's not a third year. He works in <laughs> he works in Texas, but he won't be like that because he's a good person. And if he's okay. not, hurt him on my behalf. <laughs> Just emotionally, emotionally. He, he's good though. He's good. Future generation. Well, I think that's everything. So we can wrap this up unless somebody else has something to say. No. Do you have another sound effect that you're going to play in the middle of me speaking? I did not. Thank goodness. But. Okay. I mean, no, I, I okay. really don't. I, I don't. I, I'm just going to finish up the show. So, yeah. Trying so, to get a look at that soundboard over there. No, I have my notes of like what I'm going to say. Like, I, I, I feel, though, I guess I feel a little bit of joy that I've kind of so broken you down that you're paranoid about everything happening at all times. See, you're like a third year, right? You take your... <laughs> So, thanks everybody for joining us. Oh, you got it here, folks. You're the worst. Anyway, so thanks everybody for joining us. You should be subscribed to the show, leave reviews, all of that. You should be listening to other shows. Catherine's the host of The Jabot. I am a panelist on Legal Tech Week's Journalist Roundtable. You should be listening to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Always check out Above the Law so you can read the stories that we talk about before we we talk about them. You know, you can read them in real time as well as other stories that we don't that don't end up making the show. Uh, you should follow us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, which is a numeral one there at the end. He's at Rights for Rent. Oh, uh, thanks to Posh uh, for sponsoring the show. And I think that's everything. Peace. Peace. Peace.